The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 254th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and event of the week that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, with whom we will delve deeply into college football, among other things. Well, welcome to October, and along with April, one of the two best sports months of the year, and it got a great kickstart with my highlight of the week, being the USA winning the Ryder Cup. I was there in 1999, and all weekend long, but especially yesterday, was a great memories of being at the country club in Brookline, right up the road from me in 1999, when the USA made, at the time, the biggest comeback ever to win the Ryder Cup, and there's just simply nothing quite like it in sports, and uh, certainly... Uh, on Sunday, the final day of the Ryder Cup, when it's 12 single matches. And I was just thinking all weekend long as I watched it, uh, what a great opportunity for these golfers, the best in the world, to release their competitive fire. As we know, uh, watching them win tournaments, play in tournaments, they just cannot, uh, you know, they have to keep their emotions under control with, uh, you know, with the je- being the gentleman's game and whatnot, but all that's out the window for the Ryder Cup, and these guys are competitors, obviously, and they're just able to uh, unleash it every two years, and uh, nobody unleashed it like uh, Patrick Reed, that's for sure, all weekend long, but especially uh, yesterday in his epic match with Rory McIlroy, which he won. Uh, First match of the day, so it got the USA off on the right foot, and off they went from there, and they just basically, they had the lead, nine and a half to six and a half going into yesterday, and really uh, uh, reached out and just grabbed the cup. They were not going to lose it. 
Uh, and it feels to me like they won this one for Arnold Palmer, uh, whose spirit was all over the place all weekend long, starting with the first shot, first tee on Friday, opening day, when they had his bag placed right there on the first tee. It was awesome. Arnold's bag from the 1975 Ryder Cup. So it was just a fabulous, fabulous weekend of golf. USA wins it for the first time in eight years, and they really needed to win it. Let's not forget, uh, it was not that long ago, uh, a couple years ago, when they lost over at uh, Glen Eagles in Scotland when they formed a Ryder Cup committee because they had lost uh, at the point at that point two or three in a row, and it worked. Uh, so again, uh, USA. This was a this was a two year journey uh, that culminated yesterday out in Minnesota at Hazeltine, and uh, it all paid off, and it was awesome. And uh, two years from now is the next Ryder Cup. It's in Paris, which is going to be awesome. Uh, first time on the continent, meaning not in England, Scotland, or Ireland in something like a hundred years. Uh, and then four years after that, in 2022, it's in uh, Rome. So two in a row, we're going to be on the continent of Europe. So uh, I would say th those two venues would help ensure that its popularity will just continue to grow. A close second for the, my highlight of the week was, of course, the David Ortiz ceremonies all week long, Yankee Stadium, but particularly yesterday at Fenway Park. Um, as it ushers in the baseball playoffs, the baseball postseason, hence my reference to uh, October being one of the best sports months of the year. And it should be great. The Sox are in. Uh, wild cards start tomorrow. And <clears throat> a month long of baseball playoffs, there's just nothing like that either. So it's just going to be wonderful. And again, certainly up here in Boston, no better way to uh, usher in the postseason than to end the season with a tremendous tribute to Big Poppy. My low light of the week, an event of the week that I covered, is yesterday's Patriots debacle, which was the first shutout since 1993 and the first ever at Gillette Stadium. And I knew something was very different uh, as I was at Gillette yesterday, which is 20 minutes from where I'm speaking to you now. And uh, and that's because they had never been shut out to Let Stadium. And uh, so it, it was strange. Uh, it started off badly when, on the first play of the game, Julian Edelman took a ball, took a short pass about 90 yards, got tackled right in front of me at like the one-yard line. But it was called back for two penalties. And uh, frankly, it just went downhill from there. But never fear, Tom Brady and Rob Ninkovich are both back today. And uh, the Patriots just are really, even Belichick himself, are just completely dismissing yesterday's loss, almost like it never happened. Just uh, uh, to quote Belichick, not that he said it this morning, but he certainly has said it in the past, uh, we're on to Cleveland. Uh, and I think yesterday's uh, shutout will become a distant memory very, very quickly. My bizarre story of the week is the end of the Georgia-Tennessee game on Saturday with three 
touchdowns in the last minute or so. The Georgia quarterback fumbled. Tennessee recovers in the end zone to give them the lead. Then the Georgia, same Georgia quarterback hits a long touchdown pass, giving them the lead uh, with like 14 seconds to go. And then Tennessee hits the now famous Hail Mary. And it was just a spectacular, uh, spectacular play. Uh, they won the game and already the signature play of this year's college football season. Uh, but not the best game of these, this year's college football season, which clearly was started a couple hours later. The Clemson-Louisville game was uh, the kind we college football fans live for. Just spectacular all night long, back and forth. And we will get into that further next segment with our college football expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And some other items. Uh, my NFL player engagement story of the week that I wrote is the Tampa Bay Bucks Women of Red held an, quote, invasion event. And director of player engagement, Duke Preston, who I've written on before on the NFL player engagement website, which is www.nflplayerengagementoneword.com. Uh, Duke Preston was intimately involved, uh, talking with hundreds of fans throughout the evening, individually, small groups, big groups, about the great work he does as the director of player engagement, particularly working with the rookies. And tis the season also in October uh, where... Uh, the Patriot players and many others around the NFL are out and about in the community and already scheduled to cover two events tonight, starting with the Jared Mayo Bowl. Jared Mayo, of course, having retired after last year, a great all-pro linebacker for the Patriots. Um, I've covered this event for years, One of truly one of the highlights of the sports calendar. So I'll be... Uh, Going to that, and then uh, and then immediately following that, heading down to Gillette Stadium, where Julian Edelman will be uh, hosting a football women's clinic on the field at Gillette Stadium. So I'll be attending that as well tonight. So it's going to be uh, a very exciting evening. To say the least, covering uh, former and current Patriots. And then in two weeks from tonight, uh, linebacker Donta Hightower is hosting an event as well, a uh, charitable event for uh, American Diabetes Association, uh, important cause to him. So lots going on. I'll be talking about the Edelman and Mayo events uh, next week. On my show, and again in two weeks, uh, will be the Hightower event. So now, let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now, just like the game itself. 
you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. You can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests. And on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Oh, doing great, John. Glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you, as always. It was quite a weekend of college football, to say the least. And... Uh, and you, of course, were covering, as always, the number one team in the country, Alabama. And uh, how was it this weekend down there in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, it was a homecoming uh, weekend, John. The Grand Marshal of the Parade was former running back Saran Stacy, And uh, it was good to see Saran. He had a, a tra- you know, a tragedy in his life when he lost everyone in his family except uh, one of his daughters that were killed by a drunk driver, and of course Saran was in the accident himself, so it's been a long, long decade for Saran on the comeback trail, but he was in good spirits, and the folks welcomed him on Friday night at the pep rally, and when he was introduced uh, prior to the game. Well, that's a horrible story, but I'm glad to hear he was uh, named the Grand Marshal and was uh, able to be there in person, so that is awesome, and... uh, how was the game? It seemed to me like it was generally a workmanlike victory, what you would expect from the number one team in the country. Uh, that sound about right to you? Yes, that's a good way to define the victory. They they weren't inspiring, but they did win 34-6. to So there, there was some good things that happened. Calvin Ridley set a new personal high with 11 receptions and had 174 yards. Those are two new uh highs for him and had a couple touchdowns as well, tying tying a single-game mark. And the quarterback play by Jalen Hurts, he continues to improve and impress. And uh, Joshua Jacobs, a freshman running back from Oklahoma that was not very highly recruited, believe it or not, from around the Tulsa area, he had a 100 yards, first 100-yard game. Well, good for him. Well, that's great. Uh, yeah, and, you know, Apart from Saturday, Alabama, of course, as always, was in the news uh, on a couple of fronts. Uh, number one, with their quarterback, 
talking, uh, saying he was going to transfer. That generated a lot of discussion, and then, uh, and then there was also a lot of chatter about a, a five-star recruit choosing Alabama. Uh, what can you tell us about those two things? Yeah, Blake Barnett from uh, Corona, California, San Diego High School. He was a redshirt freshman. Uh, he actually started against USC, the opening game, and was number two to Jalen Hurts as the season progressed. I guess he felt that he wasn't getting enough playing time, so there's a special rule. The NCAA has a loophole called the 424 rule. Uh, you could transfer now, uh, and he can attend a junior college. And since he enrolled in Alabama in January of his uh, senior year, he has quite a few credits. He needs 12 hours to graduate from a junior college, and he'll be able to play next year at, at a BC, uh, you know, Power Five school if, if he chooses. So, wow, that's I, I didn't realize all the. Uh technicalities associated with that so obviously the big news he doesn't have to sit out a year no, but no. so it's official he is transferring like the, yes, the, yes, the, wheel, the train has left the station right the train has left the station elvis has left the building and <laughs> I, I would say that more than likely I, I would think it would be a junior college out out west you know he's just looking to get his credits and then where he ventures to after that I don't know. I mean, he's going to try to look at the rosters and have a good relationship with a coach who's going to probably intimate that he's going to be a strong uh, in a strong position to start because he doesn't have much time to waste now Correct. Uh, with his career. So, And then also we got word of uh, Dylan Moses, a pretty highly recruited five-star linebacker, running back type, has committed to Alabama. He was an LSU commit. So that's that's big news. I mean, there's always, Alabama's always looking to receive commitments. I mean, they're always pushing the envelope to search outside the, the, the radius of Tuscaloosa, Alabama to find players. So uh, with the turmoil at LSU at the moment, uh, they were able to land uh, Dylan Moses, who you know went to high school in Louisiana, but at the IMG Academy now in, in Florida, Bradenton, Florida. Oh, yeah, the IMG Academy is really... Uh making a name for himself for itself recently uh, graduating some you know high profile players i saw them on tv back in late august just a month or so ago you know as they because they always have those high school games on from around the country yeah and uh so yeah and of course img academy uh, made famous by jim harbaugh among others <laughs> <laughs> holding a satellite camp there down in bradenton florida right. but uh well, that's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, given everything going on at LSU and, uh, you know, not a surprise, I, I, I assume the commitment was made, you know, because of his relationship with Les Miles, I'm guessing, and uh, that's that's over now. So, uh, good for Alabama. Uh, the, the, the rich get richer, right? Yeah, yeah he's been on the scene, I think, since the eighth grade, John, nationally. So, oh really? Yeah. So we'll we'll see how it all turns out. But and then another Louisiana related, if you really stretch the the boundaries, there. Tim Williams, a linebacker from Louisiana, plays for Alabama. Is a he's a very good player. Had actually had three sacks on in the second half because he was suspended. He had been arrested during the week. Uh, was in a public parking lot. I mean, within literally a long pass from Bryant Denny Stadium. 
and he was found to have a weapon with, without his permit. I guess he has a permit, but he didn't have it on his uh, in the vehicle. So he was arrested, and his punishment uh, per Nick Saban at the post-game press conference was to sit out the first half of the Kentucky game. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, that also made the news, of course, nationally, and... Uh, Boy, it's just uh, it doesn't stop down there. That's for sure. But uh, no, no. They're, they're, they're like I said with the Patriots. I mean, they're under the microscope. Everything is uh, is discussed that happens in or around the Alabama program. Exactly like the Patriots, and uh, no surprise. I mean, I just again I've said this on the show very recently. Even that you know, fascinating that. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Saban was a Belichick protege back at the Cleveland Browns in the late 90s uh, on his staff. And two coaches who, to, who let's just say, could do without the media <laughs> are, in effect, the most covered coaches in America, really, in football, without a doubt. Yeah, there's some parallels there. They're on, both on the top of their game, and they continue to win in spite of different circumstances. And... Uh, you know their their personality, their you know bosom buddies. I mean, I mean, I, I, when I had spoken to Belichick one time, he said Nick Saban. He thought it was the smartest coach he ever had around. So that was pretty high praise coming from someone who's considered a genius in the NFL realm. Right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, moving on, it was obviously just a tremendous weekend for college football. Uh, the the Clemson. Louisville game was the kind of game that, you know, college football fans live for. Super hyped, but it delivered in every way possible. Of course, it ended, you know, after up at both teams going up and down the field, both quarterbacks living up to the hype. But it ended with, you know, the Louisville receiver one yard short of a first down when he went out of bounds when it appeared that if he had cut back uh, towards the inside, he might have had a shot to make it. There was about 10, 12 seconds left, so they would have had a first down and another play or two to try to win it from inside the two. So, but a spectacular ending. All credit to Clemson. They, you know, they they won the game. But again, we were winners because it was just as good a college football game as you can have. Yeah, John, that play at the end uh, when bringing Nick Saban back into the conversation. He's always telling his defensive backs use that sideline as, as a tackler. And the, the player from from Clemson, along with the Louisville player, that's exactly what happened. They pushed him out of bounds, one yard short. If he cut to the inside alley, might have even scored. Possibly, it was a, there was a wide opening there. But yeah, John, the game was at twenty eight to ten at one point, and people, maybe some of them, turned away from the game. But but it turned about turned out to be tremendous uh, in Clemson. You, you're going to have those games along the year, and the main thing is that you won. You won the game, and no matter what the fashion, as long as you win, you get to uh, survive in advance, as they say. Oh, absolutely, and given, I mean, Louisville was down big at the half. I think they uh, outscored them 28 nothing or something like that in the third quarter, and then the lead just went back and forth. Once they got the lead, you had to believe that that, that was it for Clemson. They were done, and exact opposite happened where Clemson come back to score, retake the lead, and then held on. 
again, just as good a game as you could ever see. And the crowd was just truly off the charts. I mean, I, as, you know, the announcers, Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler were saying it may have been the best crowd ever at Death Valley, and that's a bold statement given the crowds they get down there. Perfect evening. Just really a show. Uh, truly a game where, you know, it was enjoyable to watch every single play, which I did. It was awesome. Yeah, and then the question becomes, those two quarterbacks are in the Heisman race. What does that mean for that particular award? And also, is Louisville still in the hunt? And, you know, I, I tend to think that if they, you know, continue to win, let's see what happens. Just play this thing out. I think they are still in the hunt. They, again, it was discussed later, late in the game immediately following that, you know, in the world of losses, it's as good a loss as you can have. It's still pretty early. We all know the way it works. They have what is now shaping up to be a massive game against Houston uh, in the top 10 as well. And uh, I think that's slated for November at some point. Assuming they both keep winning, that is going to shape up to be a massive game. And, you know, Louisville's quarterback as well as Clemson's Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, neither of them hurt their Heisman chances by any means. Uh, so that was great to see, too. I mean, again, it was, you know, no real losers in that game. And, I, I, again, Louisville have may still yet to be heard from. And, you know, they put on a show. There's no question. So uh, still a team to watch, I would say. Yeah, I think so, and and that quarterback from Louisville, he's he's spectacular. And, and Clemson had been really struggling struggling throughout the year, but they came alive on Saturday night in Death Valley and propelled themselves uh, in the pole. They sure did, and uh, yeah, it, it was just great. And Clemson, interestingly enough, is uh, coming to Boston College to play this Friday night. Here in uh, Chestnut Hill, uh, a mere 20 minutes from where I'm standing as we speak here and outside Boston. And, uh, you know, I've said many times on this show that, you know, Boston College is, uh, you, you know, tends to show up about every few years and shock the nation. And it is certainly set up for them to do so. Let's not forget they beat what was then a good USC team a couple of years ago at Chestnut Hill. I was at that game. And, uh, you know, Clemson coming off this emotional victory in, uh, it was a war, put it that way, more that more to the point. It was a war. It's a short week. They're the ones who have to travel. They're going to land in Boston. Uh, I'm not necessarily calling for an upset, but uh, let's just say if there was going to be one, the planets are certainly aligned for that to happen. Yes, that that could happen. They could put all their efforts in and upset Clemson and, be, and make the season form. And Boston College is struggling, and uh, something else about Clemson, John. You know, they have to to uh, visit Tallahassee this year. Now, Tallahassee, they're having their own issues, but nothing would straighten out their season more than to beat Clemson. Well, exactly right. Exactly right. And you know, just to go back to what I said earlier when I said you know it was a war. That was a nasty, nasty game um, where, you, you know, chippy would be an understatement. Uh, 
you know, just a lot of things going on in that game, you know, from the opening bell. And uh, so, yeah, you know, that's kind of, again, that's the kind of thing that could just carry over to me uh, for a week. And, uh, you know, I, I think Clemson's going to have a little trouble, you know, kind of just recovering from that because, uh, again, it was a total, total war. Yeah, you, you have to you have to travel to a Boston College at Friday night. You know, maybe they're thinking well, the Eagles aren't ready, and there could be a letdown. And Jimbo, I mean, I mean, uh, Dabo has to you know prepare for that situation, and I'm sure he will. But he, he's in a position that the, the uh, catbird seat, and uh, he's going to push his team, and he's a good coach. Yes, and of course, the most notable. Uh, Chippy event occurred when uh, Ben Bulware, the linebacker for Clemson, was uh, accused by Lamar Jackson, the, the great, fantastic, uh, riveting Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson of, you know, choking him, which the camera certainly showed that he appeared to do because he just got up from that scrum and just went crazy. Like, you just don't see that from anybody, let alone this kid. No, no. And so, that's the kind of, but that stuff was going on all night, literally from the opening kickoff. It was really, really an emotional, physical game. Yeah, those, that, that might be one of the best games of the year, John. We might oh, yeah. look back and say that Clemson-Louisville nail-biter was the best of all this season. Yeah, easily the best so far. You know, when you consider the stakes... The talent, the quarterbacks, uh, right. and the, yeah, and the, the rankings. Quarterbacks, right. Yeah, I mean, there's been, you know. But there have been other great games and other great endings, uh, none more so than the incredible uh, ending to the Georgia-Tennessee game, and we'll talk about that and other games on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. You can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we're talking college football, of course. We just discussed the Louisville-Clemson game, but the ending to the Georgia-Tennessee game in Athens was truly off the charts. Uh... I know you were at the stadium in Alabama covering that game, and but I'm sure there was quite a buzz around the stadium for what was happening uh, over in Athens. In a nutshell, Georgia quarterback uh, Jacob Eason got strip-sacked and fumbled in the end zone. Tennessee recovers to take the lead with about a minute or so to go. Uh, within a minute after that, Eason throws a long pass for a touchdown, apparently the winning touchdown. Uh, Georgia takes the lead back with like 14 seconds to go in the game. Then Tennessee moves down, throws a Hail Mary, and wins the game on on the final play. uh, On what is the the signature play so far, in my mind, of the college football season. And it was as good a last minute or two as you could possibly have in a college football game. Awesome to see, to say the least. John, when you're hearing the scores early, Tennessee's down, I believe 17 to nothing, you're saying, gosh, how come Tennessee, they're not performing? They just can't seem to, to get that offense going. And, you know, they're very talented and they've recruited well and have good running backs. And Joshua Dobbs, one of the better signal callers in the league. And next thing you know, uh, second half, they come out and they come all the way back and then they're down, and then they have to have this Hail Mary at the end to win the game. There, there's some magic going on in Knoxville. They've survived some of these close calls. Well, yes, there is. I mean, it started in the first game where they almost lost to Appalachian State, uh, the famous upset-minded team that beat Michigan back at the big house uh, a few years back. And then they were, so Tennessee pulled that out at the end. Then they were down to Virginia Tech in the Battle of Bristol with for 156,000 at the at the raceway motor raceway and then they were losing I think 21 to nothing to Florida who they hadn't beaten in forever uh, <laughs> come back to win that game and now this so I think they've been pretty much down at halftime big in some cases in just about <laughs> yeah. every game this year but you said as you said earlier just win, and uh, they are undefeated, and they're showing some magic. So, But they can't keep this up. They, they, you're no. not going to go undefeated having to come back every game. No, there's no way you can, you can be um, in the deficit by three touchdowns, you know, 17 points. Of course, you know, behind by a touchdown, that's something completely different. Field goal, you're going to have to make those clutch plays at the end to overcome those types of deficits. But these big leagues, there's no way they can continue to win in that league, uh, especially if you come up against a top team that's used to burying somebody when they get on top. Exactly right. So, 
uh, going to be interesting to watch, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, another team that's interesting to watch for different reasons is, of course, the Florida State Seminoles. And, you know, they're even more interesting than usual this year for two reasons. Number one, the Showtime Sports weekly documentary series they're doing on them. So, boy, it just takes you right inside what's going on with their season like no college football show ever has. And uh, it's, it's very similar to HBO or not Showtime Hard Knocks. And, uh, and uh, the fact that they're losing, I mean, you know, they lost to uh, North Carolina State on a 54-yard field goal on the final snap of the game. Uh, you know, after getting blown out by Louisville and started the season with a great comeback down in Orlando to beat Ole Miss. So an interesting team, but clearly uh, they now are relegated to the role of spoiler a few games into the season. It's an odd position for them. Yeah, and I mean, barely halfway home at this point, John. So Jimbo Fisher's got a uh, do do something to hold on to his team. Uh, there's been a total collapse on the defensive side, and you have that young quarterback. He's he's playing pretty well. I mean, they're putting points enough points on the board, but how many times does the offense have to score to win a game? Right, and the young quarterback, uh, of course, made what appeared to be the winning touchdown on Saturday, Saturday against North yep. Carolina. You know. He literally single-handedly just fought his way into the end zone and uh, and scored, and it looked like it was going to be the winning touchdown. This game was in uh, Tallahassee, so uh, but, you know, all credit to North Carolina coming back. But, yes, it is, uh, it's just strange to see, and, you know, you can't help but wonder, of course, again, with that, Showtime series going on. We're all getting a peek into Jimbo Fisher, fascinating guy, and uh, and of course his name is being prominently mentioned for the LSU job, and uh, so you can't help but wonder what this all means. Meaning a slow start to the season, to be kind uh, for him, potentially ending up at LSU. Uh, you know, he won the national championship a couple of years ago, but we know what. Marquee programs fans are like. They, they don't tolerate losing, that's for sure, even from a Jimbo Fisher figure. No, and, and John, uh, mentioning some of these other positions uh, at LSU, I mean, you look further west in Texas, is the Texas coach is under fire, and Jimbo's name could come up there as well. So the Florida State fans, they're going to have to decide right quick if they want to hold on to their coach or, or let him slide a little bit further west. Exactly, and yes, I'm glad you brought up Texas because I was thinking of Texas. I watched some of that game against Oklahoma State, and their defense has just completely fallen apart. There's no, in my mind, that is the problem. Um, and you know, Oklahoma State just seemed to practically be scoring at will. So Charlie Strong, who you know had that just spectacular victory to open the season against Notre Dame on what was just a tremendous game. Here we are just a, a few weeks later, and he's under fire yet again. And, of course, this Saturday is the uh, is the annual Red River shootout with Oklahoma-Texas at the Cotton Bowl. 
in the middle of the Texas State Fair. Uh, always, always a spectacular game to watch. And uh, we'll see what happens. Last year, Charlie Strong pulled off the biggest victory of his career up to that point by shocking Oklahoma, who, let's not forget, ended up making the Final Four of the college football playoff. Uh, and here he is again. It's like deja vu all over again. He heads into uh, the Cotton Bowl shootout with feeling like he needs to win yet again. Yeah, John, in, in Oklahoma, they seem to struggle on defense as well. And Bob Stoops, I don't think many people are happy with his team's uh, performance so far. So both coaches really under fire. Uh, especially Charlie Strong, I would say, this third year, and he's a defensive-minded coach, and there's no way he can be proud of, of that side of the ball in his third year. Exactly right. Um, yeah, and you make a very good point. Uh, you know, Oklahoma, one of the season's biggest disappointments so far this year. It started off badly when they got uh, beaten solidly, by Houston in the opening game and has really gone downhill from there. So, uh, yeah, Bob Stoops certainly has a lot of goodwill build up. That's for sure. Where Charlie Strong, uh, you know, it just seems like he's been under fire since the day he walked into the job. And uh, you thought it was going to be kind of, you know, quieted down after the Notre Dame victory. But uh, as we both know, AP, these things don't take long. To resurrect again? No, no, and you find out that Notre Dame is a uh, you know they're, right now they're two and three. They're not a very good football team as well, so that victory was minimized. It was nice to open the season, but it doesn't mean anything at this point. And as you progress through, throughout the year, you're, you're looking back and you're saying, "Well, gee, that victory—that's a—that's a great victory. This one we thought was a great victory, but it, it really wasn't because that team is faltering." Uh, since that time, so it's all relative. <laughs> That's a very good point. Good way of saying it. And you know, you look at that and Brian Kelly at Notre Dame and the really disappointing season they're having, and all of a sudden you have to say, like, we have a theme here. And the theme is, you know, some of college football's iconic programs: Oklahoma, Texas, LSU, Notre Dame, uh, USC. L- USC, there's another one, yeah, I mean, iconic programs uh, are really, really uh, having awful seasons, intolerable to their fans and their alumni and their boosters. We've already had one change at down at LSU, and you can't help but think there'll be more. The question is, are there going to be mid-season changes? Like, you know, are, are people going to take what LSU did and use that as sort of a a reason, so to speak, where a mid say a midseason change isn't as unthought of as it might have been just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think once it's done, John, uh, the other presidents are bolstered by that decision, yep. and then they realize that is the trend. Yep, they, they follow suit. They they really have that herd mentality. I believe. I totally agree, I, I, and I think, boy, you know, just think if it happens at another one or more than one, then I think suddenly you're talking about a year unlike any other where, you know, yes. to potential coaches of, again, foundational college football programs are 
fired in midseason. We've already had one with less miles. We'll see if there's more, but I think we've identified a trend to watch here in the next few weeks, AP. I, I think so, because these, these presidents, I mean, they, they take some heat for these football coaches, and you know they're the most visible porch of a university, is the college football team, if they're in a Power Five conference. Exactly right. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch, and AP, we still have a few more things to get to, uh, which we will do on the other side of this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stenham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., my pick of the week uh, of the week for appointment viewing is tomorrow's funeral for Arnold Palmer in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, uh, memorial service uh, at St. Vincent's College in Latrobe, where the Steelers train. I've been there many, many times. And AP, I think it's going to be literally on a par with the funeral for a head of state. I really do. I think it's going to be very, very special to watch, to put it mildly. And I certainly plan to tune into the Golf Channel all morning long to watch it. Yeah, John, he became famous when TV was coming of age. He befriended uh, presidents and other sports figures and entertainers. So I would think you know he's one of the most well-known uh, figures in the uh, a couple centuries, right? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, in, in the same year that Muhammad Ali died, I think, you know, the loss in the same year of Muhammad Ali and, you know, I think Arnold Palmer may be about the only one you could put up there with Muhammad Ali for important figures of the 20th century, uh, sports figures. And he was all that and more and... You know, he just, uh, 
you know, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, been to Latrobe many times, and, uh, you know, so again, I think tomorrow is going to be really, really something special. He was certainly honored wonderfully at the Ryder Cup. Uh, they placed his bag on the first tee, and all the fans were chanting, Arnold Palmer, as they do, and yeah. it just sent chills up your back, and, you know. It was just really, really something special, and it was just handled beautifully all weekend long with what they were wearing, remembrances, what have you, and also in conjunction with the Palmer family and, uh, you know, the service and whatnot that I'm talking about tomorrow. All this, was, of course, was held up until was scheduled for after the Ryder Cup. And uh, so I just said, you know, given the USA win, I think the spirit of Arnold was with them all weekend. I really think they wanted to win it for Arnold. I think that's a pretty safe statement to say. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. In a, in, a, in a sport where sometimes there's the untouchables, he was the most personable uh, member, I think, of that PGA, maybe of all time. You know, somebody like him and Lee Trevino, they reached out to the crowd, and, and they have their fan favorites. Exactly. Well said. Well said. Uh, you know, and moving on now to NFL... Yesterday, uh, another fascinating Sunday. I, of course, uh, had the misfortune to attend the first shutout uh, of the Patriots ever in the history of Gillette Stadium, and uh, it was bad. No, no, no reason to go there. I guess all you can say now is Brady's back and <laughs> move on. <laughs> there's, there's no reason to waste a second on that debacle. Right, right. You made, made it through, what, three and one, right, John? Something like that, right? Three and one, right. If you step, yeah. right. Transport yourself back to August, three and one would have been uh, wonderful. So just leave it there. And uh, I, the way they got there doesn't matter. The three and one. And now Brady's back, along with Rob Ninkovich. So it's all good uh, here in Patriot Nation. I've never, I, I, let me just add, I've never seen a loss so dismissed so quickly by everybody from Belichick right on down. It's, it's, AP, it's already like it never happened, and, and I was there. It always, and it feels like I wasn't there. <laughs> so it'd be funny. Uh, but it, it's the right way to go, because it was bad, let me tell you. Uh, so, but that was a dull game, obviously, unless you're a Bills fan. One of the most exciting games of the day, without a doubt, uh, an eye-popping Statistics is, of course, the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan to Julio Jones. Matt Ryan threw for over 500 yards, and Julio Jones ran, caught passes totaling 300 yards. It's, like, unbelievable. Yeah, John, it was Matty Ice to Julio, Boston College to Alabama. It was a, a great theater for those Falcon fans, and, and Julio, he's becoming... Uh, one of the best, if not the best receiver in the in the league, I believe. And, John, I, when I watched some of the highlights and things, when he runs to that right side, I know invariably that left hand is going to stiff arm someone and make him look bad as a defensive back or a tackler, and, and, and that happened yesterday constantly. Yes, yeah, so just to give you some further statistics here, AP, the Falcons are the first team in NFL history to have a 500-yard passer and 300-yard receiver in the same game. So that says it all right there. <laughs> For Julio Jones, 12 catches, 300 yards, a touchdown. 
sixth player in NFL history to record at least 300 yards uh, receiving in a game. As for Matt Ryan, 503 yards and four touchdowns, 19th 500-yard passing game in NFL history. So we're talking, we're talking history, period. Historical yeah. performance by the two of them, to put it mildly. Yeah, John, you may not witness this again in our lifetime. Exactly right. Well said. Um, and last night, uh, during the Steelers' blowout of Kansas City, uh, where the announcers, Al Michaels and Chris Collingsworth, had a lot of time to talk, near the end they said something really interesting to me, which I didn't know. If you had to vote on the MVP today, who would it be? And they basically said, both agreed it would be Matt Ryan, which I simply hadn't thought about. Uh, Falcons have been down for a couple years. I know they're off to a good start, but uh, they said, you know, Matt Ryan was like player of the month. And then, you know, you throw in yesterday's performance as the first game after receiving the award. And it's a no-brainer. Matt Ryan is the NFL's MVP after four or five weeks, period, end of story. It's amazing. Yeah, he's always had the ability, John, but he's been kind of inconsistent, I guess, and so maybe this year things are coming together. Julio is the the main uh, player that he's trying to get the ball to. He doesn't have to have a uh, you know, Roddy White, and uh, maybe that's helped him. Very much so. Um yeah, I mean, let's face it, you know, they got to that NFC title game. There was a play at the very end of that game against the Seahawks, going back three, four years. Uh, I think he targeted Tony Gonzalez, the tight end on that play. Uh, it was like a fourth down play. I mean, it was to win the game or not, and, you know, incomplete. And the Falcons have not been the same since until now. I mean, and we're talking two, three years of they just, like, went off the radar from that play moving forward uh, until literally this month and, uh, well, the past month. So it should be interesting uh, to watch, to say the least. I mean, Julio Jones is, you know, everybody's favorite fantasy player or certainly one of a small group. Um, (laughs) But now, you know... uh, Matt Ryan is back to being Matt Ryan, I guess, is really the message. So should be interesting to watch, to say the least. And, of course, in conjunction with the slow start by the Carolina Panthers, uh, Falcons are suddenly a team to watch again. Yeah, Matty Ice, he's got a big, strong arm. He's always uh, been one of the quarterbacks that people have, have, have admired. And now he's in a groove, so... Uh, I would think the Falcons, they're, they're on their way to making the playoffs. I, I don't think they're going to stumble this year. Well, exactly. Exactly. Um, I agree. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. You know, they have a fiery coach now, Dan Quinn. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, you could make the case that they may be the surprise team of the NFL in this young season. And by that, I mean... Obviously, you have the Oakland Raiders doing great things, yes. but a, a surprise team that you know could win the Super Bowl. Just that simple. Yeah, uh, and then you, you see the Los Angeles Rams three and one. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> but because <laughs> of the some... recent pedigree, uh, 
exactly what I just said just a few years ago. A lot of the play- some of the players, at least on the Falcons team, most notably Matt Ryan, was in the you know made it to the NFC Championship game. So uh, they know what the postseason is all about, and now that appears they're back. So AP, as always, thank you for your expertise and uh, and. Great talking uh, sports with you again, as always. Hey, well, thank you very much, John. I always look forward to it. We do, too. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.